0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Hey, how are you today? It's so good to be uh, preaching the word to you. want to say a massive hello to everyone who's watching online particularly if you are a part of uh, any of our locations across melbourne in bangkok thailand or in the great city of perth let alone if you're a first-time visitor it's a great honor to have you a part of our uh, online service today just a couple of things that we want to encourage you about for those of you who are in melbourne particularly as we emerge out of these restrictions we want to encourage you that one of the first steps to our roadmap to our future is about gathering together in life groups. I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a life group, you need to get in one because as soon as we can meet in people's houses and watch the online service together and have fellowship together, we want to encourage you to join a life group be a part of building relationship with people and reconnecting with people in the life of the church. Can I encourage you, don't retreat in fear and live in fear, but move forward in faith as we are on a um, forward uh, progression towards live gatherings. So as we head out of these restrictions here in Melbourne, stay connected, stay full of faith, join a life group, and we'll give you more information over the coming weeks as we find out more from the state government about what to do. But I am so encouraged about the feedback that I'm getting around identity crisis. Why don't you look to the screens for an introductory clip on our series. We are living in a culture that is suffering from an identity crisis. Everyone has asked the question, who am I? And what am I here for? Unfortunately, we look for the answer in all the wrong places. And in doing so, we anesthetize ourselves to the truth of who God has created us to be. One of the greatest battles is to believe what God says about us. In order to walk in the freedom that God has for us, we must believe that our identity is in Christ alone. Well, we're continuing our series on Identity Crisis. I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to be reading through from verses 16 to 21. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about what it means to be a new creation. And the Bible says in verse 16, "...from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer." Therefore, note this in your Bible, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God and through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, which is sins against them, And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Today, I want to speak to you on what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Last week, we opened this series by talking about the challenges of our identity crisis. Every single one of us will face this in our lives, where we ask the universal question, who am I and what on earth am I here for? Well, today we're talking about what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ Jesus, the old passing away and the new coming into our lives. Well, uh, several years ago, there was a a popular TV show in the United States called Extreme Makeover. In fact, it was the number one rating TV show in US television history. And it was all about taking everyday people and over six weeks, Um, making sure that they would uh, discipline themselves in their diet. They had a very strict and healthy diet. They would exercise every day. They would even have plastic surgery. At the beginning of that six weeks, they'd have a wardrobe change and they'd come out, the big reveal to their friends and family at the end of that process, and everyone was amazed and awed at the huge transformation that took place, at least externally, in how they look. And so too here in Australia, we are enamoured with the concept of transformation. Whether it's house renovations or whether it's body transformations, we are curious as a culture. We, there are lots of reality TV shows and lots of things that sort of promote this before and after approach. When it comes to house renovations on the screen behind me. There is this before and after concept of, you know, we go into a house and we see the potential of it and we renovate it, we work on it, and the transformation is amazing. You might have also seen some of the before and after photos that people post of themselves on a particular day before they start their exercise regime or they start their new strict diet, that they uh, post themselves with a newspaper or the date. And then 12 weeks later, there is this amazing transformation and we're all... You know, in awe of their discipline and the transformation of their bodies. Maybe before you went into lockdown, you took a photo of yourself before lockdown. And you might have gone into lockdown quite fit and healthy, but now that it's near the end of lockdown here in Melbourne, if you, you don't want to take an after photo because maybe you've eaten too much, the gym's been closed, you haven't been in your normal rhythm and routine of exercise. The opposite can occur when it comes to this concept of before and after. I heard a preach from someone on the platform next to me. Uh, We primarily approach transformation in our culture from an external perspective. We think if we change the outside, then that will automatically fix up the broken issues on the inside of us. And what we've done as a culture is we've misinterpreted our image for our identity. And we wonder why we still feel empty even though we change all the external things in our life. And because we're influenced by the culture, particularly as believers, we often bring this worldview into our relationship with God. And we think that if we just change the external things, if we only treat the symptoms of our brokenness, we, we fail to understand that the root causes, if they don't get permanently changed. If the default pattern of our hearts isn't disrupted and interrupted with our new creation program and identity of who we are in Christ, we're still going to live conform to the old nature and the old pattern of doing things and we'll never experience the fullness and abundance that Jesus Christ has come to give us. Nowhere is this truer than when it comes to resolving an identity crisis. We cannot simply approach identity from the outside in. And think if we change churches, if we change uh, the way we do devotions, not that that's a bad thing, but if we change the external elements, that somehow that's going to mean that everything in our personal lives actually is changed. The Bible tells us that if you're in Christ you are no longer to identify yourself by your flesh. In fact, the Apostle Paul opens this passage that I read at the start of this message by saying in verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Now, you need to understand something that, about Paul. Before uh, Saul became Paul, he was a zealous Pharisee who in fact persecuted followers of Christ because he believed that Jesus Christ was just another man. He hadn't had a revelation that Jesus was the Son of God. But when Paul encountered The presence and power of Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, he had such an encounter with the Son of God that he recognised who Jesus was, not just as an historical figure in the past, but a living saviour in the present that he needed a personal and intimate relationship with. And just as Paul no longer saw Jesus as just a man in the flesh, so too in Christ the Word of God is exhorting us to no longer identify ourselves by our flesh and what the Bible calls the elementary principles of the world. You see, we tend to identify ourselves according to earthly realities, not according to eternal perspective. And our culture loves to label people and categorise them maybe according to their politics and according to their sexuality, their gender, their socioeconomic status, or maybe even their race. And so like my friends here on the platform have a number of stickers that look fantastic and almost looks a part of the fashion uh, of today. Um, They've got these stickers that are like labels on them. Many of us walk around and we live our lives and we approach our lives from the labels that culture puts on us, or the labels that other opinions of other people put on us. And and when we come into an encounter with who Jesus is, we are no longer to identify ourselves by these labels and by the stickers and and the categories and compartments of our culture, but according to how God sees us. And so I want to encourage you that this series is a time that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to start to rip off those labels. You need to start to take... Take off those stickers that mark you and categorise you. And so through this message, you're going to find that my friends here on the platform are just going to start ripping the labels and stickers off to signify that we have got to see ourselves as God sees us. Not as the world sees us, not as the opinions of man, but according to how God sees us. All of these labels are based upon the flesh, they are the elementary principles of the world. Jesus said in John 6:63, 6, "The spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing." In fact, the Bible says in Colossians 3:11, "There isn't Greek nor Jew, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all." So if this is all true, how should we identify ourselves? Well, being in Christ means we identify ourselves by our new creation identity. When you come to Christ, you have a new creation identity. The Bible says it like this in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, in Christ... When we come to Christ, we now have a new life. Before Christ, we were dead in sin. But through Christ, we are now made alive by the Holy Spirit. A Christian is no longer victim of their past because in Christ, all things have become new. And whilst every believer is regenerated in their spirit, some of us as believers aren't accessing the benefits of our new creation identity. And so whilst our spirit has been upgraded to come into alignment with the truth of our conversion and salvation experience, if our minds aren't renewed by the truth of who we are in Christ, then our minds are still operating to a default system, to old software that actually needs an update. It needs an upgrade. Because to access your new creation identity, you've got to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, not the removal of your mind. A lot of people think that when they come to Jesus, it's like they lose their minds. No, very much your mind's intact. In fact, your mind is the primary place of transformation after your spirit gets born again, born of the Spirit. Your mind is the battlefield. That's why the enemy wants to limit and restrict your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and who you are in Christ, because he knows that once you come to know who you are in Christ, it's the key to your victory in every single area of your life. And so the way to experience more transformation is, not, is to actually position yourself to get an upgrade in your understanding of your identity in who Jesus Christ is and who you are in Him. Now, every single one of us have a mobile device. I have a couple up here, my iPad and my iPhone. And, and every now and then you'll get a message come up on your phone to remind you to update the software. And an iOS update enables you to access new features. It, 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 it promises you that uh, your phone will, all the bugs will be fixed and your phone will actually work better. I am yet to see the fulfilment of that prophecy, but, but apparently I keep pressing, yes, let's update this thing because I believe that it will work as it tells me. But we also understand something about every time an update message come to us. It requires time to update, It requires to be connected to a power source, and it requires network connectivity. And so with the iOS update will come two options. Hello, everyone. And these two options will be install now or remind me later. Now, I want you to be honest right now. Are you one of those who click install now or are you one of those who automatically in clicks remind me later? Because if you're like me, I don't want to take the time to connect to the power, to connect to the network in order to have it all updated right there. Be honest with yourself. Jesus is watching right now. I know that the majority of you actually clicks remind me later. Which of you out there actually presses the button stall now. If you do, God's blessings and favour will be upon your phone. Which of you out there have no idea what I'm talking about and for the last decade your phone has remained not updated and you're wondering why it doesn't do what you want it to do? Well, I began to think about this when it comes to upgrading our identity in God. Many believers click, remind me later, Holy Spirit, because they don't want to invest the time and the energy into the power of the Holy Spirit to remain connected to the Word of God. They don't want to go through the process of upgrading their identity in Christ because the Bible says to put on the new things that God is doing in your life, it actually requires a partnership between you and the Holy Spirit. This is not a day where you simply click remind me later. This is a day where you say, update me now, Jesus. I need an update. I don't know about you, but I need an update. Do you need an update? I think we all need an update in this season. I think we need to press reset on this season. And if you will take advantage of the opportunity that's coming to you in this season, you'll emerge out of this season stronger in God, stronger in your faith, stronger in your spirit, stronger in the Word of God. Don't click remind me later. It's time to get an upgrade on your identity right now. You see, in Christ, we not only have a new life, we have a new name. You are no longer known as a sinner you are known as a saint, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And being a saint is not by your works, that somehow you've earned this, but by your faith in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross. Many believers refer to themselves as sinners. And if you define yourself or see yourself as a sinner, Don't be surprised if you act like one because whatever you define yourself by or however you see yourself is how you'll behave, is the fruit that will come from your life. But if you identify yourself as God sees you, you'll live as God defines you. Now, throughout the Bible, many times we see God would give individuals a new name. And this new name would be the sign of their new call and the new promise of God upon their lives. You see, in the Bible, in Genesis, we see that we have Abram. Abram means exalted father. But then, when God began to speak new covenant, new promise, new affirmation, new calling over his life, he was now known as Abraham, father of many nations. Not only that, but we see Jacob, which means cheater and supplanter, his name was changed to Israel, he who contends with God. We see in the New Testament, Cephas, which means reed, was changed to Peter, which means rock. Even Saul, the persecutor, was known after his conversion as Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. You see, when you come into your new creation identity, not only do you have a new life, not only do you have a new name but in Christ you have new blessing. The Bible tells us that what is true of Christ is now true of us if we are found in him. And in Ephesians alone, there are 40 references to being in Christ. Just over the last few weeks as I've been studying and preparing for this message and this series, I've noticed how many times the Bible says in Christ, in Him or through Christ or through Him compared to in me. Are you living in you or are you living in Christ? Because when you're in Christ, you can access the blessings that are available to you in Christ. The source of your blessing is not in you. The source of your success is not in you. The source of your provision is not in you. It's in Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul outlines this list of spiritual blessings for those who are in Christ. Some of those blessings are firstly that we are chosen before the foundation of the world. We've been predestined to be God's children. We've been adopted into God's family. We are recipients of God's grace. We're forgiven of all of our sins. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have received an eternal inheritance. We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. You see, 2 Peter 1 3 says, His divine power, not our divine power, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. So the question's got to be asked how did we actually become a new creation? Maybe you're watching this online today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, that which separates you from God. And you're wondering to yourself, how do I access this relationship? How do I become a new creation so that I can live with a new creation identity? The answer is in the Word of God. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit working through Jesus and what He has done on the cross for us. You see, in verse 18, Paul says this, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. You need to understand that before you and I can come into a right relationship with God, that firstly, we are dead in our sin. We've been alienated from God, but it's through Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in what Jesus did on the cross, where He not only lived and died, but rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death, that you and I now are restored and reconciled back into right relationship with God. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus begins a conversation with Jesus. Nicodemus was a great teacher in Israel at the time. And he's asking Jesus questions about the origin of his miracles. And Jesus begins to talk to him about how to enter into the reality of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, unless one is born again, or born of the Spirit, or literally born from above... He cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. What is Jesus doing? He's contrasting natural birth into the kingdom of this world with spiritual birth, entry into the kingdom of God. There are two great works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first is to be born of the Spirit. This is what happens when you and I receive salvation. We get saved, we get converted, we get regenerated, and the second great work of the Holy Spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is receiving the infilling and power of the Holy Spirit for ministry and service and all that God has called us to do in our lives. You see, just as the Holy Spirit was active in natural creation, Genesis 1 tells us that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, waiting for the Father to declare the Word of God so that the Spirit, as the creative agent of the Godhead, would begin to manoeuvre and position and create according to the very words of God. Just as the Holy Spirit was involved in natural creation, so too in the New Testament, Testament, the Holy Spirit transforms us into a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8.16 that once we are born of the Spirit, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are now a part of the covenant family of God, that we are children of God. And when we confess with our mouths and we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible tells us our spirit is literally born again. And because we are now reconciled to God, and when we are reconciled to God, we are now called to be ambassadors of reconciliation for Jesus Christ in the world around us. That's what this word says in verse 20. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you, be reconciled, be restored back to God. It's so important you hear what I'm about to say because I believe that God never intended the healing of our broken identities to become an end in itself. For many believers, their walk with God can too easily become an individualistic pursuit where it's all about them and themselves as the centre of their own narrative. It's like we can sort of become legends in our own lunchbox where, where we think that even Jesus, when we hear that message that Jesus died for us because he loves us, we sort of make it all about us rather than making it about those who are yet to hear the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And especially in a season where we're in this bubble of isolation, and we're not as connected to each other literally in live gatherings and live fellowship and building relationships, we can sort of begin to become preoccupied with ourselves. And we forget that while we're trying to fix ourselves up, there's a world around us going to hell that are actually going to a Christless eternity, spending an entire eternity separated from God. I want to encourage you, the whole concept of resolving identity crisis is not primarily just about you, but it's about those that God has called you to be an ambassador for Him in. You see, healed people should heal people and saved people should pass on the message of salvation and reconciled people should also be reconcilers and pass on a ministry of reconciliation to the world. You've got to believe that God can use you as He changes you. Some of you are watching this and you need to hear that uh, once again so clearly communicated to you because you've come to believe that you've got to be perfect. You've got to have everything right in your life before God can use you. Listen, if God was waiting for me to be perfect until He used me, we'd be waiting a very long time. A few people on the platform could attest to that. But let me tell you something. I'm so confident and convinced that whilst God's trying to work out my stuff and your stuff, He can use us to make a difference across the earth. He can use us to be ambassadors, carrying a message of reconciliation to the world around us. You see, if you had the cure for cancer, you wouldn't keep that cure to yourself while you watch people around you die and pass away, you would pass that cure on. Well, guess what? We have the cure for the cancer of people's souls, the cure for the cancer of sin and and to letting the world know that that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and and made a way for us to be reconciled back to God. We are the bridge between fallen humanity and a redeeming God. I just want to give you a news flash. We've had a lot of news flashes lately. Let me give you a news flash. There's no cavalry coming. There's no like special weapons and tactics unit that's going to come in like Marvel Avengers and save the day. I wish it were true, but they're not. Guess what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. When we live our lives, when we build our relationships, when we go about our work, people should be able to see the reality of who Jesus Christ is is written like a script upon our hearts, by the way that we live our lives, by the way that we, we approach relationships, not out of arrogance or pride, but out of this humility, tempered with this confidence in who Jesus is. I'm telling you, it's so attractive and it's what God has called us to be. And as I began to study this message and look at the central, key, core message that God was trying to communicate to us as Numa Church here on this Sunday, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, if we can't reconcile who we are in Christ, we cannot fulfil what God has called us to do for Christ. It is so vital that you hear that, that you imbibe of that message that God is trying to get through to our generation. If we cannot reconcile who we are in Christ, we will never fulfill what God has called us to do for Christ. You see, when you know who you are in Christ, you can fulfill what God has called you to do for Christ. Your ministry Flows out of your identity. And every single one of us have a ministry. You say, Well, I'm not a pastor. I don't lead a life group. I'm not a part of some team in the life of the church. I'm just who I am. Listen. Whether you're a baker or a candlestick maker or an educator, you have a ministry. Whether you're a doctor, a nurse, a businessman uh, working for the government, whether you're involved in um, uh, the sports industry, whether you're involved in music and entertainment, whether you're involved in media, whatever mountain of influence you belong to, you have a ministry. God has called us to a ministry and my role as the senior leader along with the staff is to to equip you for the work of the ministry that God has called you to. Together, we are the workforce, playing our role, bringing our gifts, and we'll never, ever fulfil the potential of our ministry if we don't, first of all, reconcile our identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. It's not what you do that determines who you are. It's who you are that determines what you do. And none of us can consistently do what we are called to do if we don't know who we are in Christ. Last week, I shared with you that someone once said we are three people. How we see ourselves, how others see us, and how God sees us. The challenge is to see yourself primarily as God sees you. And when you see yourself as God sees you, you can begin to do what God says you can do. You know, sometimes uh, as a pastor and preacher and as your leader, I feel the lies of the enemy coming to me and saying, you're not cut out for this. You can't do this. You can't do that. Every single one of us have those thoughts, have those attacks, have those lies. And you know what? Like you, sometimes I start to believe that. When I see myself according to uh, how the enemy wants me to see myself or how I see myself, how others may see me and their opinions, you can start to believe that. But when I put all those things aside and begin to look into the face of Jesus and begin to see who Jesus is and who he sees me to be, all of a sudden I realise it's not by my might, it's not by my power or my inadequacy or my sufficiency, but it's because of His sufficiency and it's because of who He is and it's because I am now found in Him that I begin to see myself as He sees me, therefore I can do what He calls me to do and you are exactly the same. I want to ask you today, how are you seeing yourself? Are you seeing yourself through the lens and the filter of image over identity. Are you looking at transformation in your life where if I change this relationship, if I get a new job, if, if, if I move to a new church, if I uh, and, and get around the right people, then I'm gonna be someone significant and important? No, we're discovering our identity in Christ is not based upon those flimsy things in our culture, the, the fruit of our brokenness. Our identity is based in what God says about you, what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. And because of those things, uh, we now can access our new creation identity. And so I want to pray for you right now as I know that this series is really speaking to so many people. I want to pray for people that have been wrestling in their identity. And you know what? You can be 80, 70, 60, let alone 10, 20, 30 and still be wrestling with your identity. If we don't bring our identity under the lordship of Jesus if we don't begin to believe the truth about what God says about us, we will wrestle with this identity crisis for all of our lives. And today, there is an opportunity that you have to find yourself in Him and not in you and not in the spirit of the world. So let's pray together. Father, I wanna thank You right now for every single person, oh God that's watching this online, that's hearing this message. I pray right now in Jesus' name that Lord, as they've been hearing this message, the power of the Holy Spirit Lord would take this Word and apply it to every single one of our hearts, that Lord where we have built our identities upon temporary earthly realities, the elementary principles of this world. Father I pray today that You would begin to help us to see ourselves as You see us, that we would begin to recognise that in Christ we have a new life, a new name, a new blessing, that if we are in You we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. And I'm praying right now, God, as we begin to worship You, as we begin to sing, as we begin to acknowledge and surrender our hearts and our lives to You, that Holy Spirit, would You transform us? Would You do a work so deep in us, O God, that we'll be never the same again? I pray in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's begin to worship for a moment together.